Today on the show, we're nearing the end. Episode 97 is here. Uh, my guest is Jordan Phillips, who is creatively and personally one of my favorite people, uh, who is in a new band called Apollo that you need to hear. Trust me, you need to hear it. And uh, he also happened to be the man at the helm of my Future Boy record. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, talk a little bit about an amazing experience he had uh, in a van with Dave Grohl uh, from Foo Fighters, and so much more on episode 97 of Who Writes This Stuff. Hello and welcome to Who Writes the Stuff. I am Nick Flora, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, episode 97 is happening uh, right now. This is it. I don't know if you're aware of that. I only said it twice in the intro. Uh, it might sound a little bit different than normally because I am on the road, which is why this episode is getting up a little bit later than, than normal. Um, and I haven't been on the road much this year, and uh, I'm currently sitting in a hotel room in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, about to head out on a uh, 10-day sprawl of shows and weddings and all that kind of stuff. So uh, uh, if, you wanna, if you're listening to this the week that it comes out, you can go to nickflora.com and see all the places that I'm playing. Good places like Springfield, Missouri, tomorrow night, uh, Sunday. Uh, what else is happening? Let's see, I'm going up to Illinois. I'm going up to Wisconsin. I'm going up to uh, Michigan. You guys... If you're in those places, please come hang out with me. Go to nickflora.com and see where I'm playing and all the details. And, uh, yeah, I hope to see a lot of people out there. Um, this episode is, uh, these last few episodes are really, I'm really loving it. I'm really, I don't know whether it's because I know it's the end um, or what, but I really enjoy just the depths that we're getting to last week with Betsy Long and even with Aaron Ray before that. And I mean, all of them I, I enjoy in their own special way, but, uh, this week's is no is no exception. Um, I've known Jordan Phillips for a long time. He used to be in a band called The Kicks, which actually they they were on the on the podcast uh, back in the earlier run uh, a couple years ago, and uh, they've since split up uh, amicably. Uh, thank goodness, because they're all awesome people, and I would hate it if they never even thought to make music again together. But um, they are. Uh, Jordan and Adam from the band The Kicks have formed this new band called Apollo that is amazing, and you will for sure hear about them in the very near future a lot because really cool things are happening for them. But uh, I wanted to have Jordan on mostly because uh, I wanted to introduce you guys to his music uh, in Apollo, but also because he's such a good uh, creative mind. I love talking to him. I often lose my voice when we have when we hang out because we have such long drawn out conversations, uh, that are so insightful and interesting and hilarious. And he's just awesome. He also, like I said, produced my future boy project. Um, and hopefully we will work together again in the future because it was so fun, uh, to record those songs. And, uh, man, such a good guy. I think you're really going to dig this episode. He tells a monster of a awesome, uh, just carpe diem story. <laughs> that you don't want to miss. Uh, and then we get into the depths of, you know, just the different creative processes and, and, uh, oh, I don't want to spoil too much. Okay. I'm just going to let you guys hear my conversation with Jordan. So, uh, anyway, I think that's all I have to say at the top. I didn't have any notes written down this time. I'm just winging it from my hotel room. <laughs> so, uh, thank you guys for all the kind feedback on, uh, on the last few episodes and on, uh, the podcast 
and its sort of eventual uh, end of the road here. Uh, although, you know, never say never. We could possibly come back at some point, but it means a lot. And uh, so that's all I'm going to say about that at this time. Because there'll be much more later in other episodes, further episodes. So let's get into it. Episode 97. Here's Jordan Phillips from Apollo. What, how's your podcast posture? My, my podcast. Not, so far, it's not great. Can I just say that it is, it is truly an honor and a privilege to be actually in the presence of the listen, creator. Listen and uh, mastermind behind the Who Writes This Stuff empire. I like where this is going. Yeah. I, I like that we're an empire all of a sudden. I'm hoping that you're going to ask easy questions. Is it because, <laughs> so I'm really just kind of trying to butter you up a little bit. I like how you can just speak that it's an empire and it becomes one. Isn't that sort of the... Absolutely. Isn't that sort of the new digital... Half of building in? an empire is just convincing if people just, that you have one. If you just say it, you are one. It's yeah. sort of like uh, common law marriage. Or kind of like when Noel Gallagher used to talk that. about Oasis. He said, if you tell the, if you tell everybody that you're in the best band on the planet like sooner rather than later people start believing you Did he really say that yeah he's just like yeah i'm in the best man in the world how i, I don't talk, know if i i don't even buy that i want to talk about oasis for a second okay because i'm very fascinated with oasis how much of oasis because they made some really grand statements like that one yeah early on in their career where they were sort of slated to be like these people could be the next beatles how much of them being aware of that do you think ruined the fact that they never became the next Beatles because they had some really good songs really early on that mm-hmm. felt like, Oh my gosh, this might be like the nineties version of like Wonderwall, Don't look back in anger. I champagne think, supernova. I think, yeah. I think the ego definitely destroyed it. And I think, well, not this destroyed the, it. By the way, this podcast is just about Oasis now. Yeah. I don't no know kidding. if you've heard it in a while. Well, I love Noel Gallagher. He's, he's brilliant. I will say that, that I, I get tired of his songs because they kind of, all, they all get, they all start to sound the same, but I love Oasis because I, I grew up on it. Sure, but I think I think a lot of it revolved around the fact that like they were so impressed with themselves, and Liam is is brilliant and <laughs> is hilarious, love, but he is themselves. as he is is equally unstable and crazy as he is brilliant. Yeah, and that's I think ultimately what led to the complete just like infrastructure falling in on itself yeah. on the band because yeah, they, I mean like what's the story Morning Glory and it's so uh, good. Uh, definitely, maybe. Yeah, you know, though, dude, they made some killer records, and it sounded like they were really trying to make classic. Like, they, like I love the eventually when these rock stars or these musicians become rock stars and then go crazy, which happens from time mm-hmm. to time. I love going back and listening to the pre-ego band, like that. Like, what's the story, Morning Glory? Like, they didn't know that they were going to be monsters eventually. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they got all this press opened up the the ego monster cage. Well, that's the funny thing about Oasis is like I feel like Liam from the get go. You think he always thought? Oh that? yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah, he was like from the beginning, was just ridiculous. Well, the first time I saw him was when they sang, they played on SNL, and the, just the way he stood, yeah. where, where I think he probably still does it. He never moves. He he, but he t- he took the mic way way up. Yeah. And then tilted it down and then sang up almost like a gerbil trying to get water out of a little canister thing. thing. Yeah. And I was like, what is this guy doing when you do something weird like that out of the gate? Yeah. I there's, saw there's some instability there. I saw I went and saw them at the Ryman uh, in 2006. Name drop. Oh, six. <laughs> I don't want to alarm Name you. That was, that was nine years ago. That was nine years ago. So it uh, don't believe the truth came out, and we went and saw them. And uh, they, the whole time, 
I don't know why. I was just trying to make eye contact with Liam, and he was looking. How close at, were you? We were like third row. We oh were, wow! We were really close. Um, and eventually, he and I made eye contact. Like, this is ten years ago. I love it. This is so stupid. And I gave him this like such like this serious like, hell yeah look, <laughs> like like yeah. <laughs> And he looked at me. Like, go get him. And, the, and just Liam. to top it all off, man, he looked at me and we made eye contact. And he gave me this, like, <laughs> what? Look. What is this kid's deal? Yeah. Like, it was this complete, it was, <laughs> it was totally deflating. But I realized, hey, I had my, my Liam Gallagher. Have you moment. had that with other people? Like, where, especially early on when, when you would meet people that you were really impressed mm-hmm. with, where you were like, don't say something stupid. And then you would just say something really stupid. Um, n- no, well, yeah, or something probably, that where you're like, well, I just made an ass of myself. I think, I think my tendency, really my tendency is like when I get nervous, I, my, my mouth just starts moving and I'm not really sure what's coming out. So mm, it's just kind of like, you know, I'm right there with you, bra. Yeah. It, that's my, my strength and weakness. Cause if something funny comes out, then we're golden. But if something absolutely Dude. just ridiculous comes out, then I just feel like a we're great buffoon. in meetings, but we can yeah. all like, like we can keep a, a meeting going. Yeah, but when we get overly excited about something, bad news bears because we just we're just like digging a hole. Yeah, and I don't. This podcast has actually taught me how to, like, Not cut sit- it short and toss the ball, the conversation ball to the other person. Yeah, because I'm really bad at that. Well, you're not doing it very well today. Well, because I'm still. The podcast is ending. I can I'm do whatever. Still I want. looking to just dive into myself here. I can do whatever I want. I don't care. Anymore. In all, it doesn't in, matter. In all seriousness, I this is. I know you're going to say name drop. I I met Dave Grohl. And he, the only thing I could say to him, we looked at each other, we shook hands, and all I could manage to get out was, thanks for dinner. And he was like, yeah, okay. man, no problem. You're going to have to back up. Do you mind telling the story? I, I don't mind. It depends because on how many of your listeners are our friends, because my friends have probably all heard this story and are probably going to just I would turn say it pro- off. I would say most of your friends probably aren't my listeners. Yeah. This is, isn't a, this is an amazing story. That you told me like right when it, after it happened, I remember us meeting and it was like one of the, it was just monumentous for me because I was like, this is an amazing. Yeah. Mon- monumentous. That's not a word. Monumental and momentous is the words I combined there. I was I was, I I was tracking story, with you. Though. And I, it's one of those that I can't even repeat to people because I'm like, just wait until Jordan's around. I'll, I'll have him tell you. <laughs> yeah. Because it's it's so fun to me. It's it's hilarious because the kicks you were in a band called the kicks that and you it was you and Gabe from that band were on the podcast like. Two, three years ago, maybe. Yeah, it was right when everything changes tonight. Is that the name of the record? Uh, tonight changes everything. One of those. I'm in, I'm dyslexic. You know what? When that funny. record came out was when I had you on. So yeah. whenever that was, 2013. It was probably early 2013. 2013. I think so. 2013. Because we released it in March. 2012. Might have 1995. It was probably 96. I remember. No doubt's Tragic Kingdom was also <laughs> out. <laughs> yes, I remember. I remember we were all in, in plaid and in, in Doc Martens. I was wearing a Looney Tunes t-shirt. We were totally losing the crowd. No, they love this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were okay. wearing a Looney Tunes t-shirt where they were dressed as hip-hop characters, and they were, like, crossing their arms. Yeah. Yeah, and I was wearing my pants backwards. And I what was, year was that? I was wearing a Green Bay Packers starter jacket. <laughs> That's, and, oh, yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. Okay, I, I was wearing a shoot i lost his name i was wearing a penny hardaway uh yeah. hornets jersey yeah what year was that 
That was probably 1996 or something. Yeah, that's what that's the last time you guys were on 96. Okay. So, you guys I went, well, it depends on when Umbros were popular because I, I I'm pretty sure bro, I ran um, out of um, boxers bro, and I wore Umbros. Umbros as are still boxers. Popular. They're still popular. Okay. I wear them every day. Uh, okay. All right. So please tell the story and don't skip any details because it is amazing. We were um, my old band. We were in. Uh, Speed it up, please. Okay. <laughs> no, just kidding. So my old band. We were all in Austin, Texas, for South by Southwest. And we went out to dinner, and we kind of had the evening. Because you know how it is. Like, when you go play South by Southwest, you go, and you play, like, 13 times. I don't know how and, it is, but that's cute that you think that I've played it before. And, keep going. And <laughs> it's it's like this – it's like rock and roll camp, and then you just eat and drink all the time, and it's completely exhausting. And But for some reason, it worked out that it was this night in Austin, and we had the kind of the night off, and we uh, were – at dinner afterwards, somebody said, "Hey, uh, Sound City is premiering at some theater." Which is Dave Roll's documentary. Yeah, it was a documentary about he did about studio. this. Yeah, about the studio in LA. Great documentary. It's amazing. Yeah, really good. So we had all watched it because it had already come out, but they were doing like the Sound City premiere or something. Oh like that yeah, I remember at, they did at, that at South by. So we went, sat through it. We we ended up. It was already closed. It was like one of those badge events. And the thing that I, I – one thing that I learned very quickly at South by Southwest, and this applies to anybody who is ever going or is thinking about going, do not spend $1,500 on a stupid badge because if you look at your phone and just walk wherever it is that you want to go and just look at your phone like you know where you're going and that you're sending the most important email of your entire right. life, people just let you through. They just let you go. Nobody wants to bother people on no, their phone. dude, because honestly, most of the people who are standing at the doors – of these venues, you know, that are like checking badges and credentials, they're all like getting paid eight fifty an hour, yeah. and ju- they just want to meet somebody yep. cool. Yep. They don't, they're not there to like freaking kick people out. They don't, no. you know, they don't, they don't want to stir up anything. And so we ended up. It was a badge event, which meant you had to have a South, which we didn't. We never bought those things, like yeah, we, you know. And but that year we definitely didn't have one, and so we. Uh, Ended up just kind of walking in the front door, and nobody stopped us. So we just went in and watched the movie, which is great. We'd already seen it, but it was cool. It helps It helps that you guys you guys did a really good job, whether you meant to or not, about look. you looked like a band that people should know. Like, if you guys walked in and you were like, oh, hey, yeah, we're, you know, the National. People would be like, oh, the National's here. Because yeah. nobody knows what the National looks like. Or whatever. True. I used to use uh, American Hi-Fi as my example. American <laughs> the, Hi-Fi. Remember that band? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to update my reference. Anyway. SR-71. So yeah. So I you, think you could have passed for SR-71. Oh, I'm, yeah. Flavor of the Week. I was in that band. Anyway, keep going. So, so you walk into this premiere. We watch it. Afterwards, Dave comes out, and he does a Q&A. You're on first name basis. Yep. Yeah, no big deal. You Dave. And D- you and DG. Dave. Groly. We call him Groly. Grohls. <laughs> come here. You, you s- think anybody in his life calls him Groly? And do you think he hates it? Yes, think, yes, yes, and yes. yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> Actually, I, I heard Chris Novoselic call him that that night. So oh. I, I call, no, I'm kidding. That's not true. You think anybody in Chris Novoselic's life calls him Christmas? I think that. Jesus Christ. I think that I think that people would call Chris anything he wants because he's so tall. He's so tall. He's massive. He's huge. He's yeah, gargantuous. He's a, he's a tree. He just like towers over you. He played one of the trees in uh, Lord of the Rings: Two Towers. He did. Yeah, absolutely. He I remember around, that. He carried around. Dominic he won. Lion. He actually was nominated that year. Do you remember that oh, for an Oscar? You know, well deserved. 
Chris Novoselli. Not only was he in one of the most influential bands. Stone face Chris Novoselli playing a tree back there. (laughs) You didn't know it because he he had a beard. Tree beard. He did. That was was the character's name. Yeah. All Um, right. Are we done with this joke? Yeah. (laughs) I love it so much. Um, So we... Afterwards, Dave comes out and he does a, a Q and A, and then of course he sticks around the front of the stage after Q and A is over, and he's signing autographs and stuff. And so some of the guys are out out front, and Adam and I are like, "Well, kind of just standing there, like, man, we should meet this dude. I want to freaking meet this guy." Um, but this, there's no freaking way we're gonna get to the front. Yeah. There's 150 people like literally mobbing him right now, and so. We, um, right as I'm kind of standing there talking to him, I see this camera guy like scoot behind a curtain, so, like on the side of the auditorium. And he, you know, and I'm like, that looks, you know, so I kind of walk over. What kind of camera guy? Like a photographer? Yeah, photographer. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I, I kind of walk over to it, pull the curtain back, and I, I peek down, and it's it's a hallway that runs parallel to the uh, the whole theater. And it runs straight backstage. And I can actually see like a bunch of people congregating backstage. Right. And so I was like, dude, just follow me. So we pulled out our phones and we just started walking. And we ended up walking backstage. Who is we? Adam, like, this is, at this point, it's just and- Adam and I, the okay. guitar player, and myself. And um, so we're standing back there and we're kind of like somehow we got past these giant security guards. Cause like when you get back there, there's like real security yeah. back there. They're like, like six foot six black dudes. Yeah, just like all they're getting in black. paid really well to, to keep people safe. They're like in suits and stuff. Yeah, yeah, legit. And somehow we walked by them. They did not do their job. <laughs> and we let's call them out by name: Wally B, <laughs> Wally B, <laughs> Dave, Bill, Frank, <laughs> and oh, and Bones, <laughs> Fingers, Bones, <laughs> and Tommy. Fingers, Bones, and Tommy. Um, you guys are called out. And so we basically walk backstage and we're standing there and we realize, oh my God, we're standing in the room with the surviving members of Nirvana, Foo Fighters, and Cheap Trick. And then Cheap Trick, too. Yeah. And then all of like the cast and crew yeah. from Sound City, the movie. So there's a couple other guys. You, you know, were at like a cast Vig, and crew only party. Like, yeah, Lee Vig and, and, and some other guys Dude. were back there too. Yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. So, but honestly, at this point, we're both thinking, man, it, I'm going to pull out my phone. I'm going to grab Dave. I'm going to get a picture with him. It's going to be a great Instagram. We're going to freaking love it, you know, yeah. and we're, we're going to go end on and have a, yeah, end of story. So I text the guys in the band and a good friend of ours, Kip Williams was with us and he was hanging out and kind of just helping us for the week. And, yeah. And he was, um, I texted him and I said, you guys need to get back here right now. And he's like, well, where are you? And I told him how to get back there. And as they're walking back, the security guard had turned around and he like stops them, but I was already in the room. So I'm like, no, 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 no. they're good. They're with us. They're, they're with us, you know? And so he let them in. And, Not uh, knowing that you weren't so, supposed to be there either. Yeah, no, he had no idea. Somehow, like oh, literally, on, it was like he like turned one yeah. direction and then we just whoop, slipped by. Was it, it was fingers perfect. or Tommy? It was bones. A bones. It oh, bones. he's the worst. Yeah, no wonder. Bones. Bones is a son of a bitch. <laughs> um, so we uh, we're standing there once again. We're things are people are dwindling out. Like people are kind of scooting out. And next thing we know, it's like us and like there's about twenty people in the room, mm-hmm. and it's five of us and about fifteen of them. And all of a sudden, it kind of gets quiet and awkward, and I'm like, kind of starting to feel nervous. Yeah. Like, this is my moment. Like, this is where I'm gonna have to go yeah. approach Dave Grohl and say, "Hey, dude, can I get 
a picture with you. Um, cause you know, Dave, I mean, I grew up listening to the food fires. I grew yeah, up listening to Nirvana. Absolutely. Um, dude, color in the shape was a monster album. For oh me. yeah, dude. Life changing. I mean, I remember one by one in high school. That was like a massively oh, yeah. ins- like inspirational record. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and especially that pro about album that me and five other people listened to. Boy, you don't what? even know what I'm talking about. I don't about. even know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's different podcasts. We can Jordan, talk about Dave Grohl's side projects. Jordan, that, you're the coolest guy I know. No big deal. Just for mentioning that. Well, Probot sold Thank like you I, for letting me talk. To I you think today. Probot literally sold 140 records worldwide. So it's actually quite the quite the antithesis. I bought about a hundred of them. Yeah. So oh. no, I'm kidding. I, I I never bought it. I ripped it online. Yeah, so. of course. Um, like a millennial. I'm an artist. Like I'm allowed. I'm allowed millennial. to steal music, man. <laughs> I am. I'm a walking contradiction. Right. Um, you're allowed partly to go truth, back. You're partly fiction, to... and partly passwords to Russian websites that I have no idea the origin of the files. The premieres you weren't invited to, and you're allowed to download <laughs> obscure Dave Grohl songs. I am a rebel without a cause. Um, so we are hey, more like without a clue. That's right. We just fist, <laughs> fist bump. Yeah, we just fist audio bump. fist bump. Um, How good was audio fist bump back in the day? God, don't even get me started on audio. <laughs> this is why I love talking to you because I will just riff into things and you'll just follow me. Uh, okay, so you have your moment. Yeah. So, Grohl. so the room gets quiet. Everybody's looking around. I'm thinking, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I've got to say something to him. And it was like literally right as I was about to say something, his assistant or manager or whoever it was, uh, like she's like, "Oh, do you guys just are you guys ready to go?" And he's like, "Oh yes, thank God, let's go." And they swing open the door to the back alley. And there's two vans sitting in the back alley, 15 passenger vans, and they on the side of it, there's a big sign that says Cast and Crew to Sound City. And so we're like, shit. We uh, lost it. Yeah, we lost this, man. Done. We're not going to make it. Like, we're not going to get in this, man. And uh, my buddy Kip was like, I, I have to give him credit where credit is due. <laughs> Kip looked at me, and, and, and I'll, I'll give the PG-13 version of it, but he was just like, he looked at us with the most serious face, like, Never more positive and certain of anything in his life than this moment right now. He looked at me and he was like, get in the van. And we were like, all right, we'll do it. Nothing makes me happier than that part of the story. Yeah. He just looked at me, dude. And I'll never forget. Effing van. Yeah, he. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it was just like this, like matter of fact, like it was like mind bullets. We're doing this. Yeah. And, and we were like, all right, we're doing it. And so we... There was like the A van and the B van, 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 B van, B van, and so of course like all the all the big shots are in the front one. So we're like beep scooting in the back one. Yep. You know we're thinking all right maybe it's going to a hotel, whatever. We leave town. We're like trying to make small talk with all these guys. Oh my god! Desperately, because desperately trying to. Backstage is a different story. Yeah. Or now you're in a van. With you're them. in a van. We don't know any of these Close guys. quarters. Everybody, everybody assumes that somebody else there knows you. Yes. So they're just like, all right. Because I've been backstage before. I'm like, I assume I'm the only one who doesn't know who these people are. Everybody else does. Exactly. And I think, I think everybody else figured if, well, I don't know who the hell these guys are, but certainly they have to know Dave. Otherwise, yeah. they would have gotten kicked out. So yeah, like, we'll easily. be cool. So we're you're in a van. We're in a van with a bunch of these guys, and actually, it's funny because one of them is a dude Nick who lives here in town, and we've since then have like hung out and and it, we'll get to that later. And, and he's super cool, dude. Wait, is it uh, me? 
No. Was I there? You were there. It was you. I don't remember this at all. Welcome back. I was on Quaaludes for about 15 years. Yeah. Well, this, you still this are. Might have been, so. I am. Since the 70s. Actually, they're just kicking in. So we're we're riding and we're leaving the city of Austin. Like we are like headed out of town. And we're all No idea where the destination is. We have is. no at this point we are like and all these dudes are pretty calm and collected. What They're if they like, drive through the night to LA? What if what if Gay Roll doesn't like airplanes? And honestly, you guys don't know? I, I was I was texting a buddy of mine who we we left back in Austin. <laughs> he was with us and we <laughs> left him. And I was like, dude, you don't understand. I'm in a van right now. I don't know where it's going, but it's going somewhere. And I was like, dude, what if it's going to an airport? Like, how far are we going with this? Especially if it's a small airport. Yeah, if it's like a private airport or something. We're just going to like literally get out of the van and we're going to start walking. Yeah. Because we're not going to get on the plane. Do you get on the effing plane? Or do you get on the plane? (laughs) What if Kip was like, get on that effing plane? I probably would have gotten on it. I would have gotten on it. I probably would have gotten on it. So anyway, long long story short. Long story longer. Long story longer. We end up going to a restaurant, a little chicken restaurant on the outskirts of Austin. And um, we get there, and we are all just like sweating bullets. Yeah. Like we're we're just thinking, like, be cool, just make normal conversation just with people, cool. just just make us look cool, man. Just make no, us look cool. And and we're we're talking, and and I go to the bar, and I think I I literally pounded three beers, just like boom, boom, <laughs> yeah, boom. Because yeah. yeah, we were all like we're hanging out with get freaking, these nerves out of here. Yeah, legends. Like we can't, you know, we can't be like a, you know. And so we all kind of do Mr. That. Grohl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the last thing you want to do. Grohly. And we go upstairs and they had this like private room. Except, of course, we got there and everybody started sitting down and there weren't enough seats. Mm. Why? Because there was four other assholes that were five other dudes that were <laughs> not supposed to be that there. were not supposed to be there. And so they were like, and, and everybody kind of looked weird. around confused. And we're standing in the middle of the room and like Dave's like, how many how many people do we have? And that's when I like left and went to the bar. I was like, yep, yeah, okay, see you. I will see you yeah, later. I'd slid right down the stairs. Yeah. You know, and I, I have to hand it to Gabe. Gabe was just like, he was he was there, man. He was like <laughs> I, I remember like kind of scooting down the stairs, you know, trying to get the hell out of the room. And, I love and, it. I love and that Gabe, Gabe was the one. And Gabe was just kinda like, he's like, Oh, we got one, yeah. two, three, four. He's, counting. he's just like, you know. He counts himself first, like me one. He's like, Well, Clearly, I'm here. Obviously supposed to yeah. be here. <laughs> I love it because Gabe is such a real follower. Yeah. And then he's just like, No, I don't know. But once I, once I you make that once he were... makes that switch, man, he's in it to win it for sure. So because, uh, yeah, I'm like... When are you ever going to be in that opportunity see, again? It's funny because, like, for our personalities come out. Like, I am... I have, for my entire life, I am, like, an initiator. Like, I'm yeah. I'm fine initiating anything. And then I my weakness is, like, finishing things. Like, actually going in and seeing, you know. Yeah. So I need to surround myself with people who are good at, like, logistically planning things and making things happen and, and like, putting ideas to fruition. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, and Gabe is a classic case of that. Like Gabe just was like, "We're we're here. We're gonna yeah. do it. Here's the deal. We're gonna count how many people are in the room, and we're gonna make them our best friends. <laughs> we're gonna make this work." So we end up going downstairs. They buy dinner. They Dave picks up the tab. At one point, I tried to run to the bar and pay for everybody's meal. Oh wow! With the band credit card. And Wait, who gave you the card? Why? Well, oh, with we, your band with card. my band oh, card. Yeah, like, no, no, no. I, I did not have the Foo Fighters credit somebody card. Somebody handed you the Foo Fighters credit card. I did not have the Foo Fighters credit card. Um, I, 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 I just had this moment of like, you know, it would be freaking awesome is if we bought dinner for everybody. Great. 
great story. And, at the and end story. yeah, it and, sucks up to this point. The, that would have made it a great story. Yeah, and and Kip looked at me like I was a complete moron. He's like, "Bro, no, nah, man, no." Nah. That would have easily chill. been like three hundred bucks, dude. It would have been like probably. Yeah, it would have been way. Well, I don't know. Like, well, I'm, there's I'm probably like twenty like, people. It probably oh, would have been okay. like a couple thousand dollars. Would okay, be my yeah. guess. Because there's the alcohol alone. Yeah, yeah. That's there's true. there's a lot of. I, I, oh, I live in 1920, so like. I didn't, yeah, I, I don't didn't know what kind of dinner are you inflation. buying. Yeah, just like bread off the street. Three like, percent a year, like man. a loaf of bread, like a baguette. Yeah, that's, like that's a baguette, a, and some and some freaking like. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I grew up in the depression, so I have a lot of like. That's my reference point. Well, you're depressing me right now, right? I know. I'm letting this whole thing. I don't. What's a podcast? I don't know. This is all new to me. I'm just talking into this, this, this mic. Like this I know isn't what I'm even doing. plugged in. Are you gonna be I, really pissed when you find out this is not plugged in? We have to re-record everything. Yeah, wouldn't be the first time. Everything. one podcast with people that I don't record and yeah. then like I invite them back a year later and we you, do a real you kinda, one. You kind of try Practice podcast. Yeah. You got to do totally it. Totally dress rehearsal. So what happens See if at they're the actually... end of the story? Um, basically it ends with us. You get to talk to Dave Grohl. You said that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So after dinner, after, dinner, after, after dinner and everybody's had a few drinks and everybody's kind of loosened up, like we're all standing around talking. And at this point, we it's like a sh- like we're in, yeah. like we're hanging out at this point, and it was great. And you're making friends. Dave to Dave turns and I, he his conversation winds down, and my kind of conversation winds down. We sort of are standing next to each other, shoulder to shoulder, and like we make eye contact. And the only thing that I I I, I had to say because I, I I knew I had to play it cool still because yeah. we're still hanging out. With yeah. Him. So. I just kind of looked at him, and we he kind of like started to like crack a smile. I was like, dude. Thanks for dinner, man. <laughs> he was like, he's like, yeah, dude, no problem, man. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. You guys having fun? Yeah, yeah. It was cool. Fun, and it was fun. like literally that anticlimactic. I mean, he's and then afterwards we notoriously went notoriously chill. Yeah, and then afterwards they were like, where are you guys staying? We're going to the Four Seasons. We're like, yeah, 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 same, Four same Seasons. Here. Four Seasons, that sounds great. My like, dad manages it. You no, just give too yeah. much information. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you lie too my much. Dad, my dad, Frank, uh, you know, he works down <laughs> he's at... He's the doorman. He's, 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 you know, he's the janitor for the, uh, the all the guest rooms. In the, <laughs> no, he... Um, so we ended up going to the Four Seasons and hanging out with all those dudes, man, all night. That is insane. Like, we kept it together all freaking night long, and... Then about four o'clock, we were in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. Oh we're gosh. walking out of the front door of the Four Seasons, man. And all five of us just like we were freaking straight face all night, like just, you know, in the zone, not losing it and walked out of the front door and lost our freaking minds. Yeah. We, were, we just all looked at each other and just, ah, you know, like we couldn't believe it, it. worked. It was it worked. Like it was hilarious. This is man. an amazing lesson because this is what I've taken away from that. I've been in a couple of situations since you told me this story originally. Yeah. Where I was like, I hear in my head Kip say and I get in the van. Kip, yeah. But I hear Kip's voice, which sounds like Alec Baldwin's in my head. Get, get in the van. Get in the effing van. 
Yeah. And I just do it. Like, like there yeah. are moments where I'm like, okay, the window is like three seconds and it's closing. Yeah. Walk through that door. You just have to do like, it. Like go, go up to that guy, give this guy your record, like do this, tell this guy something or whatever it is, whether yeah. it's backstage or like in life, I'm just like get in the van. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what you can honestly accomplish even if you're full of crap. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to, if ascribe, you just act like you know what you're doing, I'm trying to ascribe more to the philosophy in life of the ask for forgiveness, not for permission yeah. model, because worst thing that's going to happen is they'll just say like, Oh no, you can't. Or, yeah, Oh no, you're not allowed. Worst thing that happens what? is you get kicked out of a fried chicken restaurant in Austin. Still a good story. And you catch an Uber. Still a like, good story. And it's still a good story. <laughs> that's the thing. Like I, I try to live more of my life around like, is this a good story? Now, <laughs> now, also a good lesson to, and I, I will say this: that the very next night they did the Sound City show, yeah, at South by, and it was like freaking everybody, like Stevie Nicks and like all everybody that was in the movie, Rick Springfield, everybody was that was McCartney in, there. I don't know. I don't think so. He was the I big think reveal at the end. Petty was alert. in it. I know that Petty okay. was there. I don't I mean, think Paul McCartney. I don't did mean. It. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's nothing. Imp- like, yeah, Tom Petty, small potatoes, right? Um, but. The next night, we thought we were invincible. We were like, we just hung out with all yeah. these freaking dudes. Yeah. We were going to the show, and we were walking right up to the front door, and we're going to be like, yo, Dave. Yeah. And you know, and he's going to be like, bro. Sure enough. Thanks for thanking me for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. As he's going to reference the one small talk conversation you had. And, you know, of course, we didn't see any of them because they were playing a show no. in front of freaking 20,000 people. And we got kicked out. We yeah. were in there for like 30 seconds and like 10 dudes came up and were like, you guys don't have badges. We're like, yeah, nope. So yeah, the moral the- of that story is that you, you got to carpe that DM, dude. DM like if, the carpe. Yeah. All because DM day. <laughs> if, you know, you just, it's funny because like there are times where you just have those windows, like you said, that it might be cracked and you just kind of have to take it. Yeah, it, jump. Get yeah, in the van. I mean, you just never know. I had that one experience even when I was early on I, and I was sort of not even really in a, in a band in high school, I was at a festival and I saw a bunch of, I was like 18, maybe 19. I saw a bunch of people Switchfoot was headlining this festival mm-hmm. in Who high they? school. They're not around anymore. Okay. Um, they're not important uh, to my life at all. So, just kidding. but I was there to see them and I just saw a bunch of people go backstage and I was like, I'm going to go backstage. Cause I have yeah. always, I don't know if you felt this way, but since I was a little kid and I was a shy kid for a long, long time in my life, yeah. I just knew that I wasn't supposed to be on this side of the stage. Yeah. Always supposed to either be on it or backstage. Totally. Always. I'm just, and I felt yeah. that fire in me from day one. And so I snuck backstage and I did the thing that you were saying. Like I just acted like, yeah. Like, like you knew what you're doing. I think I walked up and that when the guy was there, he looked at me and I had on like a wristband or whatever, but the wristband was like the mm-hmm. wrong color. Yeah. And I was just like, and I just said like, yo, Dave or whatever. I just yelled a random name. Yeah. And the guy was like, oh, go get your friend. I don't know. Like the guy was like, oh, don't lose your friend. Yeah. It was so dumb. That's hilarious. But it, was, but it worked. And then I went backstage and like sat in the craft services area with a bunch of bands that were playing it. Most, most of them I didn't really know, but Switchfoot was back there. And I remember like going to the table, like get making a drink of water, standing in the corner awkwardly, and then just like kind of wandering around backstage and then, and then going back. And I watched the whole show from stage. I stood backstage and sat on a, on like a, a road case and watched yeah. the show at 17, 18 years old. That's awesome. And it was like almost famous to me where I was like, well, I'm, I'm home now. I can't ever be on that other side. Yeah. I, I need to be, this is where I'm supposed. And it wasn't even like I was acting or pretending like I was supposed to be here. Yeah. Like I'm, I really felt like I was supposed to be here. Yeah. Absolutely. So and I've, I've done this podcast. This will be, uh, 
episode 97 or whatever yeah. and i've never told that story but that's a total like totally uh, that's flashing back to me now like well you have like i think we've all had those formative experiences however big or little they may be where all of a sudden you have that moment or that like epiphany where you realize like this is maybe i think this is where i'm meant to be or this is at least this is where i want to be like yeah. this is what i want to be doing in some capacity i, I think it's, be... de- it's deeper than that though yeah you f- just feel in your gut you're just like I'm not supposed to be out here with these people enjoying it. The minions. I want. I. It's not, <laughs> it's not enough kidding, for me. I'm kidding. I'm joking. It's not enough for me yeah. to be out here with the normies. Yeah. I want to be somewhere on, elevated a little bit. You know. Yeah. And I have. That's a. Sounds like you've got like an ego complex. What? Shut up. Why would you? <laughs> told you about. Uh, have you been talking to my therapist? Jeez. Um, it is an interesting. I, I wonder what that was for you. What was that moment for you where you were you were sort of like. I have to be on that stage or I have to, I think I can do this. Mm-hmm. Do, does anything stand out? Clearly not. You're not answering. No, I no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking cause that's a good question. I don't, I don't, you know, man, I don't know. I feel like, was there a moment where you heard a record or an artist and you were like, yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. My, my experience honestly has been everything about my life and career in music has been such a gradual process. Honestly, like I have never had, that moment of like stratospheric, like instantaneous, uh, you know, shooting star moment that, you know, some people are fortunate enough and in some ways, you know, unfortunate enough to have. Like in the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg? Yes, I was, that's exactly got, what I was thinking. Up. Yeah. Um, but I, everything has been so gradual for me that I think, you know, I remember having formative experiences like, but in a, in a really weird way, like uh, there are a lot of things that over the years have happened or thoughts and conversations or like I remember watching um, the kids are all right DVD. It was the who and I believe it was Madison Square Garden, I think 1977 right, it was the yeah. DVD or whatever. And, um, you know, for me, I fell in love with rock and roll. I fell in love with pop music, but I fell in love with uh the medium of rock and roll rock music was, was how I, I, that's like the first thing that I identified, like my soul identified with, like, I loved it. I I remember the first time that I heard smells like teen spirit, you know? And I remember the first time that I, 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 I heard won't get fooled again. And then like YouTube had just come out. It was like just this new thing. And I, and I went online and I tried to watch the, uh, won't get fooled again. And I was, I remember watching that documentary. I think I was like, I was in my senior year of high school and I was, I was going to move. I loved music, you know, yeah. and I was like writing songs. I didn't know what I was doing though. I had no idea what I was no doing. No direction, just sort of. No. Yeah. No. Randomly. I, it was like this, it, there was just like the, an energy in my gut that knew that I wanted to do something with music because it was something that I really loved. And I felt like I was kind of more than anything else naturally gifted at. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know what yet. I hadn't really began the journey of, of developing an identity as an artist yeah. or, uh, uh, you know, a message or a conversation that I wanted to have. I had none of that, a narrative, none of that was formed yet. I remember watching the kids are all right. And, and at the end they do that breakdown and the synths go real big. And then Pete Townsend slides across the stage on his knees. And if you've never Classic. seen this, I like, it's like this quintessential moment of like rock it glory. Is pure rock and roll. It, it is just, and it, it, it's so funny because like, it's kind of, it became like what, be, it's what like, I think started the cliche rock and roll thing, you know, like the big windmill yeah, thing, yeah. the pyro and yeah. all that. But like, when you look at these guys, they were the first ones to do a lot of that, you know? Um, and I remember watching 
Pete slide across the stage towards the camera, you know, and, and, and Roger Daltrey's just scream shredding the microphone. And I remember for some reason, like watching that and being like, Oh my God, like, this is it. This is it. This is exactly it. And I think for me, it like somehow, you know, like this, ADHD kid from the suburbs who really kind of muddled around and I loved a lot of different things growing up, but I never really felt like I'm, like I belonged to something until for some reason I remember connecting the dots when I was watching this. Yeah, and I wasn't se- I was seventeen. Like I didn't start even I didn't even really start singing until I was. That's about relatively s- late for most people. Yeah, I was like sixteen or seventeen when I realized like I can sing. Like I'd kind of screwed around with singing before that, but like I'd started playing guitar when I was like 12, but really had never like really done much with it other than just like knew that I liked it, you know? And so there was this, I don't know, man, like there was this energy that spoke to me in that. And it sounds ridiculous saying like, God spoke to me through the who, but, <laughs> but in all serious, like when you say, like when you look back at experiences that you've had in your life, like I remember seeing concerts and going to concerts and getting inspired. But I, I think f- everything is such a gradual process for yeah. me that like the, the journey has been sort of very, very incremental. And, and there's a part of me that's really grateful for that because it's created, I think in me, like an attitude of sustainability. Close your eyes, cross your heart, and hope to die. Twelve gone inside the newspaper. Not afraid to speak, kids are in the streets looking for a good reason to speak out. When we say we won't take it Like it, it's just a much there's depth to success. There's yeah. meaning to it. There's joy, I think. And, and but at the same time, like I, I've never had the luxury of becoming so successful so quickly that I feel like the world owes me anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like That's I, very I've, true. I've never I've never had that experience That's where the child star syndrome comes from, where it's like, yeah, I had everything in my hand when I was 10. Like, mm-hmm. so I deserve everything always. You know, yeah. it's a sort of you have to shake like if you don't have like a good firm foundation like of a family life or whatever. And even like great artists, man. I mean, how many artists became massively successful, mm. wildly successful, and then all of a sudden started making bad music? Yeah. And it's because they started drinking their own potion. They started is believing. That what you think it is? I think I honestly have about this. I, I think honestly, the temptation is when enough people begin to love your ideas, you begin to think that all of your ideas are good. And when you th- and when you think good. that all of your ideas are good, that is just not the reality. Your gut becomes sort of uh, a white noise machine mm-hmm. because your gut we have to listen to. 
we're like, ah, this doesn't feel right. Ditch it. Let's start something new. You know, even yeah. when we were creating, like it was sort of like, ah, this feels like something, but put it to the side. It doesn't feel right for this. Yeah. But if you get around people, if, if you're just, you know, think about like uh, the person I go back to all the time and he's not a musician, but Eddie Murphy was yeah. like a groundbreaking comedian in mm-hmm. the eighties. And now he doesn't do comedy anymore because he's surrounded himself, insulated himself by these guys who everything he says are like, that's hilarious. And if you get around enough people who tell you that every little thing you say is funny or everything mm-hmm. you, you play on guitar is great, then you start believing it. It does become sort yeah. of a, a poison. You, you like, kind of start believing all of your own you ideas. Believe that because it, we believe other people more than we believe ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, or believe yeah. our gut. So, but it's important to sort of like, I, I love that people, you know, create and write together, but I think it's important to also write by yourself so you can sort of build up the muscles in your gut to yeah. be like, Oh no, I trust this is good enough. Well, to bring well the, the frustration of the frustration of being an artist. And I think a writer is just the, the continual, like it's a paradox. And I think that there's always like, there's always this, like you've got to be confident yet. You have to be humble enough to listen to people's advice and listen to people's, you know, and also you, know when you're just full of crap, like, yeah, I got nothing today. Tomorrow. I Absolutely. Might today. I got nothing. You have to be fearless, but at the same. Insecurity and fill it with, uh, I think ego and, yeah. and, and, and that's okay. Like, I mean, we all need to be confident and I don't think it's, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't ever be insecure about ourselves, but there is a level or a degree of, of insecurity at artistically that pushes us. It self censors what we do. We strive, like we sit back because of like that level that like that nagging thing in the back of our minds that says like, is this legit? Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of stop halfway through a song and you sit back and you go, do I believe this song? Do I believe what I'm saying right now? If you don't believe it, stop freaking saying it. Get it out of there. Either, yeah, quit writing the song or or change what you want to say, change the narrative. And if if, if you don't ask yourself those questions, I think it's inevitable that the art's going to suffer. And when the art suffers, people just don't listen. Do you think there's something to, with those people who, the once truly great artists or whatever who like change the game mm-hmm. who get sort of insulated by the yes men or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's something to, cause we talked about this on the podcast before, uh, when you surround yourselves, not with just people, but just comforts mm-hmm. when you have enough money to literally buy everything and you, there's no need to sort of quote unquote yeah. ride the bus anymore. Mm-hmm. You sort of, you know, it, do you think that hurts it more than helps the art form when you're sort of live when you're, Comfortable living in mansions, yeah, surrounded yeah. by everything you could ever want at your fingertips. Because there's something early on when we start creating that it's out of like want and desire. You know, like the first couple Eminem Absolutely. albums are like, I mean, Eminem's a brilliant artist, and there's the moments of brilliance throughout. But he, I, I feel like he really does have to sort of tap into. I, yeah, man. I don't. I don't. Stuff early on. I don't. I don't care if it's. I don't care who it is. Brandon Flowers to Bruce Springsteen. Like the greatest art that has ever been created has been created out of out of a sense of desperation, mm. and I think that when, when we and I think that when we lose that sense of desperation, um, I think yeah, I think it gets th- a little bit stale. It gets stale. It gets it gets uninspired, and and that's the that's the hard thing because a lot of times desperation comes from a place of not having, like you go without, you know, and and going without is something difficult, yeah. you know, whether it's finances or if it's freaking relationships or whatever 
Like I'm not saying that we should suffer as a you know so that no. we can write good songs. But, we have, we have but at the same time, yeah, like the the I think the process of being an artist is just very much an amplified version of being human too. Like it's just it all it is is a reflection of of a yeah. journey that a human is on. And so for the artist, uh, you know, guys that have written music that's amazing and inspired and transcendent over the course of decades. Yeah. I think there are people that in their own hearts and minds and spirits are people that haven't stopped searching, haven't stopped moving forward, yeah. haven't stopped striving to do something different or to become reborn doing something new or, you know, like what's an example of an artist that, that you're, that comes to mind when you think of, especially like these God. legacy artists, like, mm -hmm you know, Springsteen or Tom Petty, or is there somebody that you're like, man, this guy keeps going back to the well and, and it's cool. It clearly has his head on straight as far as like what um, to dig from. God. Um, I think, cause everybody's going to have ups and downs. Well, the, I mean the first name that came to mind earlier was Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. You know, I mean, God, how many years into his career and, and wrecking ball was amazing. Yeah, for like, sure. That record was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think that you too, you know, having made uh, all that you can't leave behind and, what was that? Two thousand? Yeah. It's like Joshua Tree came out in what? Was that eighty seven? Eighty five? Yeah. Around that. I mean, I don't know. I was I was born in eighty five. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? But the year we've Gordon. all listened to that record. We've yeah. all heard every song on that album, and then we all have heard every song on freaking all that you can't leave behind. Well, the and six good ones. This, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, there there are artists. Um, I'm trying to think of if there's any more. I'm trying to think of other guys that have to like. Look at my phone. I know. There, uh, there, but, there is but, something to me, though, that I, I enjoy about like somebody like you 2 putting out an album that swings for the fences and doesn't really nail it. Yeah. I still love that they're willing to put it out there yeah. and sort of swing and miss because they. I know that in a few years they'll come back and do it again. And like for me, No Line on the Horizon was pretty boring. Yeah. But this last record is really good. It's cool. I it's like cool. it a lot, actually. Yeah. I think the the fact that it showed up on all of our iTunes kind of hurt it a little bit. The marketing mm -hmm. plan hurt it. Mm -hmm. But if you go back and listen to it now, it's just like a record, or go buy, go buy it at a record store, yeah. and it'll still like you would anything else. Yeah. It's really good. It is really good. It I is think good. it's a solid record. I mean, because it clearly means something to them. That record, yeah, you know, is a harkening back to sort of like their. I mean, it's songs of innocence. It's about their like childhood. Yeah, and so that's what I think. Like. You know, for them, they had to go back and be like, what was the struggle and strife when we started this? Yeah. And they, they reflected on that. You have to connect with that, you know. Uh, the connection. If the connection's not there yeah. for you, and you just, it's not going to be there for anybody else. Yeah. I think, you know, you write your first record trying to get out of landscaping. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. you, and then you make your second record trying to stay out of landscaping mm -hmm. and then you write, but also second record trying to impress the people, yeah. keep the people happy yeah. who have helped you get out of landscaping. Yeah. And there's, there's a <laughs> lot of, there's a lot to overcome in that, man. Yeah. There's a lot to overcome because art people, I don't even think that people know it. And I think some people do. Some people totally are connected to music in a way that's like, they very much can tell when somebody's not, when somebody's disingenuous. But yeah. I think a lot of people don't even realize that they're able to discern music that they don't believe. And when they don't believe it, when they don't believe music, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't connect. And then when it doesn't connect, it's just kind of like gets thrown by the wayside and people move on. It's crazy you know? how fast we eject those records from our mind. Mm -hmm. Like I'll listen to something and just forget, even while I'm listening to it, 
like you know your mind just goes somewhere else and you're like yeah. oh yeah i'm supposed to be listening to a record yeah and that doesn't necessarily sometimes you could just be in a weird headspace but th- i mean i have been completely jarred by records before where i was just, i was just like that first yeah. that brandon flowers record that first one yeah. flamingo was that way for me yeah where i was just like what is happening here totally you know because I mean, he, he clearly it was intensely personal and it meant something yeah and whether you sort of can relate to it or not we can relate whether you relate to the subject matter or not, yeah. you can relate to somebody connecting with something. Absolutely. And that's there no matter what. Absolutely. Let's pray. I mean, yeah. Dear God. I th- <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to, I don't have you forever. So I want to, I want to talk about this before yeah. Go ahead. we lose time, but, uh, Apollo mm-hmm. talk about it. No, <laughs> that's the question. <laughs> that's no, it. You're doing huh? this thing now, Apollo, which yeah. the, the, you do the kicks for like, how long you've been doing the kicks? Four years. The Kicks? The Kicks is the band for how long? Seven, eight years. Longer than that? Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, you were good for four. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. There it is. The you truth comes out. Four. Um, I was just trying to stay out of landscaping. This a band that I loved, and we went on the road together. Mm-hmm. Best tour of all time. I think yeah. I'm still, I think I still have money from that tour into my bank account, actually. Do you? Oh, we made so much money. Dude, we did. Oh, gosh. It's it's very profitable to play a tour in the winter. Yeah, totally. In, Absolutely. In the Midwest. So we... No, but that tour did bring us. I think we might have talked about it on the podcast, but that tour did bring us together yeah. closer as people. Absolutely. But one of the things that I will say, and I probably said it in the last one, but it bears repeating, Jordan Phillips. Okay. That I knew that I wanted to be friends with you guys for forever on that tour because that was an abysmal tour. It was miserable. It, it was, was cold. It was dark, cold. And, it was yeah. snowy, and nobody came to shows. Yeah. It was. It was a failure on all fronts. And you're we were the, young. The spirit, we were very young. We were so young. The spirit in in the van was most of the time just high. Yeah. We were just so stoked to be doing it. Yeah. And I was embarrassed because I booked most of the shows and just so embarrassed that they just flopped. Because that happens sometimes. But I love I was like, these guys just I was like, if these guys don't quote unquote make it then I quit music. The proverbial make it. Yeah. yeah. But, but not even in any way. Like if yeah. you guys were just like, you know what? Landscaping was, was what I needed to be doing. And yeah. you went back to that. Yeah. I was like, I am done because there was just some, there was like a spirit to what you guys were doing collectively and yeah. to in each of you individually that just, that honestly reinvigorated me. Yeah. That, that I was just like, Oh no, this at the end of the day, no matter how crappy the day was, we'd be like, we get to play music. There was that yeah. sort of like, this this is the sort of God we serve is like we're following this passion and this dream. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm sad that you lost that, but you used to have it. And I love that. <laughs> that's, that's great. No, but it's all. And even though the kicks of is, is no longer a thing. Yeah. You started this new project with Adam. who used mm-hmm. to be in the kicks with you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you just sort of I hear that sort of passion and joy in this music as well. Yeah. How did this come out of? I mean, you're in a band for seven, eight years. It feels like you didn't take a break. It feels like you just, does that sort of drive that you have and that, and that fire that you had for, you know, creating everything you created Mm -hmm. in the kicks, did that, do you just bleed over? I mean, it's a different sounding. Yeah. It's a completely different songs, but how did the impetus of this uh, come about? I think that it was, um, it was a really natural thing. I mean, it was it was hard to it was hard to walk away from the kicks. Uh, I think that we all, it was something that we we all had a hard time doing, but felt like you know we needed to do. And for me, um, you know, 
I just want to love what I'm doing. I want to be excited. And that's because I, I, once again, it's like you, you talk about creating art out of desperation, but also like excitement and inspiration also goes very hand in hand with all of that and creating mm. and creation and writing songs and, you know, trying to create something that's transcendent that will eventually belong to everyone, not just you. And I think that like, yeah, we, we didn't really take a break. We always kept writing. We kept working. And, and, and it wasn't an escape from music. It was just, uh, it was, um, yeah. And so I think that like with Apollo, man, it was just this new, in so many ways, I think, you know, um, I, I've, I've read a ton of docu, I've watched a ton of documentaries and read books about artists and songwriters and, and they've talked about, and they would talk about seasons of their life in which they were reborn musically, you know? And, um, you know, whether it be Keith Richards going down to like Jamaica or whatever that was back in the day yeah. and, you know, or whatever, I feel like we, I found myself in a, in a, in a place very quickly, um, where I felt like I was experiencing music for the first time again, Oh wow! you know, and I, I felt like I had never created like that before. It was uh, like a, it was a completely new context for which I was writing songs. How are you writing it differently? Um, honestly, I, I I I bought a computer, and I started. I mean, that's a, that's the funny thing is like I just started, I started producing tracks. I just kind of started, and it wasn't like. And when you say producing tracks, I wasn't like doing EDM stuff or something. But <laughs> you which are, is fine. You are Skrillex, right? Which that's is you. which is fine. But I no, honestly, I just I bought like a little interface yeah. and I started recording songs myself because I it was it was just really fun and 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 then all of a sudden I found myself getting inspired by sounds and and completely flipping on its head how I created and and it's pretty much changed my creative life completely. Um, everything I do now is very opposite. I, I rarely sit with an acoustic guitar trying to sing out a melody. Yeah. I never yeah. do that anymore. That and, and honestly, I may go back to that eventually. And you it'll know? probably seem fresh and new again. Exactly. That's the beautiful thing about it is like, I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if, you know, down the road, you know, somehow, some way, in some capacity, you know, I, I'm a part of like some folk record that's sure. like just acoustic songs that like would dudes with guitars again. It might be, be mine. Yeah. Dude, I would love that. Are you kidding? <laughs> um, you know, and, and so I think it was just like this, this place of, of just being excited about a new way to create and, and writing new songs and being refreshed and, and energized in that way. Yeah. Um, and it really, as, as intentional as it sounds, it really wasn't all that intentional. It just kind of happened. And I think that like, one thing has just kind of led to another. And what do you attribute to that? The fact that it just sort of effortlessly, is it just, cause there's the whole thing that frustrates me because I'm the king of trying really mm -hmm. hard to make something happen. Mm -hmm. Is it just letting go and just enjoying the process? 100%. You think that's what it was? Yeah. I think, I think the, I think the more we create constructs for ourselves, intellectually, creatively, spiritually, whatever, the more and more difficult it is to tap into something that is uh, um, sort of, I don't know, like that sort of inner creative light, if you will, yeah. or I don't, I don't yeah. know what you want to call it. I, I'm with the you, more yeah. you try to push the bus up the mountain, I feel like oftentimes the more we squash that in that intuitive, creative 
um, nature in mm-hmm. us. And it's actually like, and I don't say like, don't try to write, but uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you gotta I, put effort in it. I remember you and I, you actually showed me that book, the art of war. Yeah. No, the, yeah. The war of war art, of war of art. And that was a really great book. And, and, and it's very, that book very much revolves around regimenting what you're mm-hmm. doing. But, but that book also revolves a lot about like continuing to search and continuing to hunt and try to find the like you're 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 taunting the you know the 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 nature to come out the in, the, the intuition the sword. yeah you're yeah. kind of poking the intuition hoping that that you know maybe tomorrow morning it's going to come out and that something's going to happen awaken, yeah and i think that like I, I don't really know what to attribute other than just the fact that like, I mean, I just love to write. I love music and I love all of that. And so it was never an option to stop doing that. I, ne- I, n- I never wanted to like run away from it or escape it. I just wanted to do something fresh and new. And it was just, it seemed like kind of one of those things where it was like, oh, that seems kind of fun. I'm just going to keep doing that. You know, mm-hmm. like I think, I think a lot of it dude revolves around. And I think this applies, this is applied. To, I've realized that this applies to my whole life. And I think it applies to all of our lives too. Is like, there's always little aspects of our lives that have light in them. There's like these aspects of our lives where we feel joy from or we feel um, inspired from or whatever. And I think that I think that if we can just look and like try to find those things in our life and we, we have to nurture that, like those are the things that we have to nurture. So creatively, if there's something that's like, getting me excited i seriously i don't care what it is i don't care if it's freaking the dobro or freaking skrillex or whatever it is like if something gets you excited you have to go there you kind you kind of have to allow yourself to go tread water in that you know sort of arena and i think that like the for me the birth of of what has become apollo is just that spirit sort of manifesting itself. I think that it's just, I, it was just newness. It's yeah. just newness and it's, it's excitement and it's energy. It's, and it it's sounds just kind like of, it. Like these songs sound fresh and new. They sound like rebirth. It sounds yeah. like, Oh, like you, I, I get the reference points in my brain, like logs them away mm-hmm. to where it's like comfortable enough. It's not painful to listen to it. You know, I'm like, That's good. Oh, I get what he's trying to do, but there is something where it's just like, Oh, it sounds like the future, which is perfect that in a great way. It sounds yeah, like, oh, thanks. this is where we're going, which mm-hmm. is interesting maybe because the kicks in a large way was an homage to the past. It was very much so. And so it's so fascinating to me. And when I, t- when I tell people, like when people ask about the kicks or p- ask about you guys or whatever, I always say like, they got this new stuff coming up. And it's as much as the kicks was sort of like a wink at their influences from the past, you know, whether it be the who mm-hmm. or Zeppelin or, or mm-hmm. Aerosmith or mm-hmm. Rod Stewart. Mm-hmm. Whoever it is, this is this is like yeah. almost referencing like bands that aren't even out yet, and mm-hmm. in, in a weird way. In a yeah. weird way, I don't know if you if it if leans that, forward, and that's what I want. I it's mean, that's, so good. That's, yeah, I think that's I think that's what my I think that's what our uh, gut was wanting to do. I mean, I think for Adam and I both, we wanted to lean forward. Yeah, you know, we wanted to shift the paradigm forward and and create art and alternative music that would be. Um, something new and exciting and fresh and, you know. I well, know. I think it totally is. Cool. And, you know, I can't wait for you guys to break up and hear what you're going to do next. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. man, no. Uh, Adam and I have been really uh, 
it's been a great ride, you know, and, and slowly things have sort of a great be, ride. A great it's ride. just starting. It's just starting. No, but it's funny. Not even out yet. You know what, dude? It's funny though because it's just starting in so many ways. Like we're about to release the record and get everything out and, and get back out on the road. But it's really, I mean, it's been it's been a while for us. It's like been a while. we've been we've been working and sort of like we've been writing songs for a year and a half. Like these songs that we're like gonna release. Like some of these are, you know over a year and a half old yeah you know what i mean just because it's we we kind of decided that when we left the band like when we walked away from that season of our lives we were like we we're just gonna like wait for this to be right and when the timing's right if it's ever right again we'll make records and we'll go back on the road it's gonna be amazing yeah but we're not but we're not gonna force it we're not gonna try to create we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to push this. That's a this. good lesson for a lot of, I know a lot of people listen to this podcast are sort of aspiring musicians and mm-hmm. songwriters and stuff, which is when you're starting, it's so easy to take your hunger and turn it into neediness and try to force things to happen. Mm-hmm. And you can like wreck yourself into a ditch so fast creatively. Totally. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And, and, and I think that like the more we come to terms with the fact that like, A, everything revolves around the music. Like if the music is inspired, if the music is exciting and fresh and interesting, it, it creates opportunity for itself. And if it's, if it's like your voice, yeah, not trying to like, copy off of it. but you're if you're not like, playing... oh, this is who I am, mm-hmm. you know, and people can hear it when you're trying to emulate another artist or people you're... can sense when you're disingenuous. Oh, like, yes. And, and, and that's, a, and that's a struggle. That's a thing that all artists have to go through because I think we're, we all, we've all gone through periods of our lives as writers, whether we were 13 or 30, when we were disingenuous writing songs, like it just is, it's part, it's not, we do it sounds malicious. People. It's not, yeah. No. I mean, we're constantly like, we're all trying to figure ourselves out. Yeah. And the funny thing about writing songs is like, you write songs while you're figuring yourself out. Yeah. And then you go back and listen to some of those songs. I you know. go, oh my God, wow, you know, I why God, I why? I can't do it. But the, you know, yeah, man, I think that it's been exciting and we're excited for this next record. Well, I don't have any for much longer, so I'm going to kick these out while we, while we yeah. wrap, wrap this mother up. I was in the podcast with a with a series of lightning round questions, yeah. and uh, the people are dying to know. So I'm going to ask you. Okay. Do you, in Apollo specifically, have okay. a uh, surprising musical influence? Because I hear when yeah. I hear when I hear the songs. I mean, I know the sort of like impetus for there's you know the Beck influences mm-hmm. or the like sort of Danger Mouse that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe Broken Bells that kind of thing. And it kind of has that cool. Mm-hmm. Not really dance vibe, but it's in there. Yeah, I mean, you definitely shake your little booty to it, Jordan. I do. So, is there anything that you're sort of that you pulled from this time that people might actually be surprised when they hear the record? Oh my god, um, the Fugees. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love the Fugees. I love the Fugees. Are you I, kidding? Or is I, I'm, I'm kind of kidding because the Fugees are awesome. I don't think I don't I don't know I don't know how much the Fugees directly influenced <laughs> this though. Um, I, I think it's a, it can be a hard question. You know that song "Big Country" by Big Country? I don't know this song. That song inspired I'm a lot. Gonna, I'm gonna look it up. It's it's like a it's like a cheesy '80s song, but it's awesome and it has it's just it's just a good song. There was a band called Big Country, and they had a song called Big Country. Yeah, I love I totally love slash hate. This. I actually, I yeah, it, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> I, I I don't Adam hates the song, but <laughs> I love it. Well, it's a good thing he's not here. It's not cool. Um. But. Your chair is caught up on yeah, this I'm, carpet, I'm all man. getting turned around here. What do you associate with the name Keith? Richards. All right, on a personal level. With the name Keith? Yeah. Do you have a Keith in your life? 
I, I worked I worked in a warehouse when I was uh, 18 years old with a guy named Keith. He was he was an ex he was an ex uh, like captain of a nuclear submarine in the Cold War. Are you serious? And he captain I rode around Keith. I rode around for two summers with that guy, and he was the angriest bastard I have ever met. But he and I were like, <laughs> we were we became really good friends. That's, that's awesome. key. That's personal. That's, his, that's Has there ever been a person that you haven't become really good friends with? I feel like you're that type of guy where it's like you can sort of break barriers and become friends with anybody. I'm a nice guy. You are a nice guy. That's all I wanted to say. What do you say during <laughs> soundcheck? What do I say during soundcheck? Do you have like a go-to song or saying or noise? Or do you just... Yeah, people, people always make fun of me because I say hey really loud. Check hey. Like that. Hey. Yeah. People, like we get I it probably just blew out your your speaker matter. there, it's but yeah, that's what I, I, I every time I sound check and there's and there's any like public around us yeah. in any capacity that's within earshot. Like Jordan, they all, I hear all, I people I hear people off in the distance always going, hey, <laughs> hey, <laughs> check one, hey, hey. That's literally, it's annoying. That is annoying. But I don't, I don't know what I was annoyed the whole time you were reenacting it. I was yeah. like, when is he going to stop? Oh, my God. What movie or TV show do you quote every day or most frequently in your everyday life? I don't watch television. Okay, movie. I'm I just kidding. Movie. I'm just kidding. You, want to, you totally um, watch I, I quoted last night. Um, we, were having, we were having a debate about something, and I just piped up, and I said, guys, can we just go get some barbecue? <laughs> You quoted almost famous last time? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love you. Guys, can we just go get some barbecue? Let's just go get some barbecue or something. I'm in it for the chicks? <laughs> I sound like a dick. I sound like a dick. You are, are a, a dick. dick. See, that's... I love you is. so much. Nobody's ever said almost famous with that. that. I mean, that's definitely mine. I say that all the time. I'm sorry that I just... Is it I, that hard to make us look cool? I say that... Almost yeah. on a daily basis. Is it, yeah. Every time I drop like an egg or like spill ice out of the tray or something, I'm yeah. like, I just hold my arms up to the sky and say, is it that hard to make us look cool? Don't mind me, Nick. I'm just one of the blurry guys. Just out of the focus guys. But that's cool. Out of focus guys. That's okay. Have you ever shoplifted? Mm. When I was in seventh grade, I did. You did? What did you shoplift? Uh, it was like a crappy beaded necklace. Oh, Jordan. Yeah, it was one of my formative years, man. Went through some rough patches growing up. You have. Yeah. Obviously. Um, do you, I, I always ask the uh, the guest to end the show with a, a bad or embarrassing show story. Oh, please. I have played about seven with you, uh, all on the same <sighs> tour. Do you have any, when somebody says, what's the worst show you've ever been a part of, do you have like a definitive answer for that? Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. All right. It doesn't um, have to be number one, but I would love, I'm sure you have some great ones. I mean, we have, we have done some horrible shows over the years. I mean, I feel like any artist has played some pretty bad shows. Yeah. Um, we played a show one time. Th this was cool, but it was also horrible at the same time. We did this like military tour down in Central America and we, we wait what we, we played a we played a military base in Honduras. Okay, we was played... this with Los Lonely Boys? No, this okay. is not with Los Lonely Boys. <laughs> we were and we got down there. And we got to this huge base, man. And they were like everybody was like, "This show's gonna be huge, man." There's like eight thousand people on the yeah. base. It's gonna be epic. We get there and it is literally this like little trailer, 
in a hangar, in an airplane hangar, and there's no sound system. Oh, no. There's no sound system. And this is with the old band, and we were like a rock band. Yeah. There were no amps, no sound system, and they called a guy, and this, this like, Honduran man in a little, like, 1979 <laughs> Nissan pickup truck literally had uh, all the sound equipment strapped to the back of the truck and it was hanging out like a like a like a like a like like the beverly hillbillies like it was hilarious like it was literally like the two front wheels of the pickup truck were practically in the air it was so weighed down by all this stuff he pulls in like an hour late and all they had were bass amps yeah and like a couple speakers to like sing into and there were no but like there was i think there was just one bass amp so we had to like plug our pedal boards straight into the the pa system and no. the drums were horrible and we play yeah it was hilarious and did people show up they did i i'm i i hate to think how bad it sounded god there's got to be worse than that though that's man i bad. feel like I, that's cringe inducing i mean we've played in parking lots before you know like grocery stores we've done what's I mean, the weirdest place you play to show like a place we where played, music does not need to be we there. We played one time, we played a club called the Rock House in Chicago. It's in Lincoln Park. This is years ago. Yeah. And um, my mother was in town. She happened to be in Chicago while we were there. And I have some family that lives there. So we invited everybody out. The Rock House was, an, was actually uh, a lesbian 